After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got to go. Okay, fellas, we are set to go. Let's go. We are kicking. Watch the blue. There we go. Yeah, baby. Number 47 for Boston. Both guys, five minutes each for fighting. Please move it. Please move it. Please move it. I got to admit this. I made a mistake. I think I'm bang on this. I'm bang on. Okay, gentlemen, play ball. Watch it here. Good checking, guys. Good play. We're inching closer to the start of the 2021-2022 NHL hockey season. That's a lot of numbers in terms of years and 21s and 22s and a lot of twos. How about we just say we're inching closer to the new season, Josh? That works. Yeah, we, we don't need to worry about the numbers. We, we just want to worry about the hockey. And it's going to be the closest we've had fingers crossed, to a normal NHL season in a long time, which I think everyone else is kind of has, has a little extra enthusiasm about. Oh, for sure. 82 games, a, a nice long run, a, a nice full playoff run. It, it all sounds great. And, you know, we were really looking for hockey to come back and we were glad that it did. And now it's it's finally back in that full season capacity. Let's hope it stays that way. and We don't have any more issues or impacts. But yes, it's it is a wonderful thing, Todd. And we're back with another edition of the Scouting the Rest podcast. Of course, it is brought to you by Manscaped. There are special savings for you with our Manscaped partnership. Use the code REFS, R-E-F-S, for your order from Manscaped.com. You'll receive 20% off and free shipping. As we mentioned, the new hockey season is just about ready to get started. We've had training camps open for a little while, and they're continuing along now with the preseason. And you don't one of the things that teams do when they get all the players into camp is they go through the process of of getting new photos and video of everyone and, and they use this for all kinds of stuff so you got to think that this is a photo that lives on for the rest of the season you don't want to have some sort of wild unruly look going on and manscape helps you in that regard as well for personal grooming you don't want to have some sort of wild surprise waiting for you that's going to shock someone down there we just we, we just received this this brand new box of manscape products including the lawnmower 4.0 it's great it's super easy to use it's it's super safe which is is definitely important for grooming all those sensitive areas and it's adjustable you can get exactly what you're looking for and I don't know, I'm kind of going on here, Josh, but maybe I can put this really simply. You don't want to have the Joe Thornton appearance. <laughs> no, and and you don't want somebody to get a peek and have the Brandon Tanev headshot of looking <laughs> like they've just seen a ghost. <laughs> yes, that is, that is definitely not the reaction that you are looking for. That is something that you want to stay away from. And it, it, it's all part of the, the process of, of the great Manscaped products that are available through Manscaped.com. you got the, the, the Crop Reviver and the, the Crop Restore. they got it all covered. It's, it's one-stop shopping. It gives you everything you want. Go to Manscaped.com. Use the code REFS for your purchase. Get 20% off and free delivery. Do it now. On this week's episode, they did release the video. We've got NHL players suspended. Tim Peel speaks. Female officials are working this season. And a deplorable act that isn't punished harshly enough. I think that sort of covers all the major topics, doesn't it, Josh? Yeah, busy week. Busy, busy from an officiating standpoint, too, especially this early in the preseason. But I'm not complaining, Todd. 
I do want to start with something positive as well. Josh sent me a text last night and he tweeted out the info. Make sure you're following the social media channels, by the way. It's at Scouting the Refs for Josh on Twitter and Instagram for me. It's at Todd Lewis Sports on Twitter and Instagram. Josh put this out on social media last night. TNT is going to have a referee analyst. They are doing it, at least for the preseason. Retired veteran NHL referee Don Koharski will be the voice of reason. He'll be along with rules interpretations. Josh, I sent you a reply that was one word. Hallelujah. <laughs> yes, exactly. We've long been carrying that torch for these broadcasters to bring somebody on board who can explain the NHL rules. And nothing against the broadcasters, nothing against the play-by-play -play or the analysts. They're not all experts at the rule book. And it would be just it's such an amazing thing to have somebody on the broadcast who can help explain a situation, explain what the officials may have been looking at or considering, or even just the minutia of how a certain rule works. So Coho is bringing those 32 years of NHL experience there. And for those who are complaining that he retired over a decade ago, he was with the league as an officiating manager, coaching the guys that are working today, managing them, working games night in and night out to provide that feedback. So he's well-versed in what's going on currently and in the NHL and will be hopefully very educational for those watching. I think that's the most important thing is that there is a great educational element here that's available to TNT by having Don Koharski there to help explain, as you said, certain situations, what the process is, how judgments and rulings are made. I think it's going to be helpful in the education process, and that means helping to grow the game and get more fans, which is what we want. Exactly. We want fans that aren't frustrated, that aren't trying to figure out what just happened there. Why did that happen? What were these guys looking at? And, and you get frustrated with the officials. You get mad at the game. And hopefully, Coho can, can shed some light on some of that and make it a little clearer and help folks understand a little bit more about what's going on out there, especially new fans that are coming on board. There was one former referee that got an awful lot of attention for speaking up on television, uh, accidentally, we'll say, that also resurfaced this past week, and that is now former NHL referee Tim Peel, who appeared on a podcast with Frank Saravalli, Jason Greger, and talked about the infamous incident from last season. I don't know that we need to rehash the whole thing, but I thought Tim Peel's comments were fairly straightforward. I think he explained the situation. He, he had no idea what was going on during the game. It was after the game that his phone started blowing up and finally spoke to Stephen Walcom and was apprised of the circumstances and basically told, we got a big problem here. And the end result is Tim Peel's retirement was pushed ahead and he has not worked again. He was planning to retire at the end of last season. But this was a horrible, unfortunate set of circumstances. And I think Tim Peel, as he explained, basically he misspoke. His, his words did not come out the way he intended them to. No, it's it's a high pressure situation and you're focused on the calls on the ice. And, and Tim admitted that, you know, that what he said wasn't really what he was getting at there. And his, his words came out wrong or he chose them poorly. And it's a big mistake. He called it a mistake he's still paying for today and totally get what happened, totally get where he's coming from. And it's it's really hard. And, and I think to me, Todd, listening to it, the biggest part of it and, and just hearing Tim recount the events and, and go through the day from the game on the ice to hearing from Stephen Walcom to you know traveling in the airport to get back home to visit with his family. 
just hearing all of that, it, it just drives home the fact that these are humans. These are people. And it was it was tough to listen to at times, honestly, yeah. just because of how open and honest he was and and really the impact that it had and and how one inadvertent slip of the mic that was two seconds long, just how that snowballed, how that was perceived, the actions the league needed to take just based on perception alone, how much that affected not only his career, but him as a person. And, you know, it's a good reminder that that these guys are human and that they do make mistakes. And, you know, they're they're trying their best. They're, they're working their hardest out there. These are the top hockey officials in the world. But deep down, you know, it's still a person. This is this is still a human and, and they can make mistakes. It's funny that we're talking about Tim Peel and Don Kaharski in in back-to-back segments yes. here almost because just because Don Kaharski had a sensational hockey career in the NHL and prior to that the WHA as well and everyone still remembers him for the one incident with Jim Schoenfeld and Tim Peel as well had a sensational long career in the National Hockey League and he too is going to be remembered for this incident for the rest of his life and I it's okay to remember it, but don't let it detract from a great career that someone has had. Absolutely. You figure between the two of them, that's over 3,000 NHL games, a whole bunch of playoffs, a whole bunch of Stanley Cups, and it it comes down to audio clips that amount to, between the two of them, what, four, five seconds worth of content? And that's yeah. that's not a fair way to boil down over 3,000 games of NHL experience. But you're right. It's, it's Sometimes it's those incidents that people hang their hat on. That's what they remember, and they forget how great of an official, how long and storied of a career that a guy had when you can summarize it that way. This is the Scouting the Rest podcast. It's brought to you by Manscaped. There are special savings for you with our Manscaped partnership. Use the code REFS for your order at manscaped.com and receive 20% off your order and receive free shipping. Um, let's talk about the video. Last week on the podcast, I expressed great concern about the National Hockey League and the video that was being shown to team personnel, general managers, coaches, players, etc., about the new stricter level of enforcement this season on cross-checking. And my concern was that fans wouldn't be able to see it. Well, I am happy to say, and a little surprised to say, <laughs> yes. that, that the NHL has made this video available. And I think this is going to be an enormous help. If you haven't seen it yet, go go to the website and check it out. It helps you understand better what the level of enforcement for this season is going to be. I, I applaud the move. It's well done. I noticed as well that a number of the video clips used were from last year's playoffs when fans and, of course, media members were jumping all over the league. And I think that's smart. It's, it's a subtle message of, look, we heard you and we're doing something about it. Right. And I think it was funny when the video was out there and when we started sharing it and hearing people's reactions on social media, the biggest takeaway was, well, of course, these are penalties. Why weren't they called in the first place? And I think that's where the league is really trying to establish that line and set the standard for, you know what? We should have called these. And then that's really what they're saying here is we agree. These should have been penalties. These should have been called. So what better way to set that standard than to really to put this out there for people to watch, for the officials, for the teams, general managers, broadcasters, everyone, and set that standard that, yes, you know what? These should have been penalties. And anyone who is frustrated has been redeemed because <laughs> now the league's on board. And, you know, I thought it was interesting, too, that it's not just cross-checks in a specific area. It, it's spots in the offensive zone battling along the boards. It's cross-checks in front of the net. It's cross-checks battling for loose pucks. And to me, Todd, the underlying theme was not just the cross-check, but 
situations where a player had an option to deliver a legal body check and instead opted to deliver a cross check. And in many of their examples, that's what we were looking at here. Body contact would have been legal. Battling for the puck would have been fine. But the fact that they chose to use a cross check instead of a regular legal hit to separate the player from the puck was what is at issue here. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, a few cross-checking penalties have come up so far, but as the games get more meaningful and the battles get heavier in front of the net, I'm curious to see what that looks like right at the top of the crease, deep in the slot where we always see that onslaught of cross-checks, especially to the attacking player on the power play. So interesting of, of how they're breaking it down. But, you know, as we go through, uh, we'll be watching the games closely to see, you know, do are we seeing things that match up with the examples or, or where is that line for for those types of plays? But certainly the examples they showed were egregious and good to see them getting everybody on the same page and saying, yeah, we need to call these. It's an interesting point that you bring up that often the penalties illustrated a body positioning or a body impact would have been legal because how many times have you heard the expression oh that's a lazy penalty and that maybe is the best example of it right there yeah it it happens quite frequently you know we see a lot of restraining fouls or we see the hooking and the slashing and the tripping especially when a guy gets beat but you also see those decisions when it's a battle for the puck because heck it's a lot easier and you can gain a lot more leverage with a cross check than you could just by body position Okay, so also the preseason games are underway and we speculated that it wouldn't take long before we'd have game situations that we'd be able to discuss. And thank you to the players in the NHL for providing us a bounty this week. To no one's surprise, we do have a couple of players that have caught the attention of the Department of Player Safety. First up, Ottawa Senators player Ridley Gregg, who used his stick to do a little cross-checking cosmetic adjustment to Winnipeg forward Pierre-Luc Dubois. On the play, Greg has the puck, Dubois approaches on the four check, Greg raises his stick into the face of Dubois, the Jets forward left for repairs, I think he wound up with about 15 stitches. Now, new enforcement level or not, this is clearly a serious offense and a penalty, Greg did get a major penalty, and Josh, I like how this was handled. He was suspended for one preseason game, but also suspended for one regular season game. That's the big impact. Yeah, I'm glad you caught that, Todd. That appears to be a change to player safety for this season, something that we haven't seen in the past. Typically, those preseason suspensions stayed in the preseason unless they were longer than the remaining games in the preseason. You know, with two games left and a three game ban, certainly we expect the guy to sit for the first regular season game. But it looks like player safety is taking that approach of making the penalty a little stronger by including a regular season game. It's more meaningful. It It's basically your team's opener, uh, possibly their home opener. So impact of pulling a guy from the lineup and it's hitting them in the wallet because now you're losing money by being suspended for that regular season game. So I, I thought it was an interesting move by player safety. I think it was a smart move to make a preseason suspension mean a little bit more than just missing a preseason game that frankly, the guy may have missed anyway. That's right. Not many players play all the preseason games. So if you you wind up sitting one, it's really not that big an impact on you if you're even if you're trying to make a team in in a particular training camp. The other situation involved Washington defenseman Dylan McElrath, who was punished for an illegal check to the head of Boston forward Stephen Fogarty. On this play, Fogarty plays the puck ahead into the corner of the capital zone and McElrath finishes his check by making contact with Fogarty's head. McElrath received a match penalty, 
Fogarty was shaken up on the play. Again, Department of Player Safety had a look and they decided more punishment was needed rather than a preseason game, or in this case, two. So it's two preseason games and two regular season games. I think the punishment was rather appropriate here, too. The, the cap defenseman does have his arm down, but it's the shoulder that makes the impact with the, the Bruins forward in the head. And uh, again, it's, it's a, a situation where it looked like a check through the body was possible, but the head became the point of contact. It was, Todd, and that's exactly what player safety noted in their decision, that the angle that McElrath took, when you're hitting on an angle, when you're coming in like that, it's a bit harder to hit through the body, but it's important that the player delivering the check does so. He didn't. He missed. He caught the head, missed the shoulder, missed the body, missed the player's core. So this is where we end up with a guy potentially injured on a dangerous hit and McElrath sitting for four games. Again, nice to see the regular season impact there. Not sure if McElrath would start with the Caps or if he's bound for Hershey, but he's got those those two suspension games at least impacting his paycheck. So if a player does get sent to the American Hockey League, that suspension does not kick in in the other league. It's if, if McElrath were recalled to the NHL, he would have to serve those games before returning to the lineup. Is that correct? That's correct. And and it, it won't count if he's sent to Hershey. We can't just tick off two Caps games while he's down in the minors. So it has to happen while he's in the NHL. It doesn't roll over to the AHL level. So, oh, I've always thought that was interesting. <laughs> you, can, yeah. you can keep him out of trouble. Just keep him in the AHL for a while. <laughs> One way to do it. Uh, another topic that has also got a bit of attention this past week, and I'm happy to say, is female officials in hockey and getting to the highest levels of the sport, including the National Hockey League. While there are no women on the NHL roster this year, Josh has detailed on the ScoutingTheRest.com website who the new officials are that are making it to the NHL, the league is making progress. The NHL has used female officials at prospect tournaments and training camps and is trying to accelerate the process. Good for them. We've also seen women officiating in other high levels of the game. Darren Drager on TSN talked about seeing female officials in the American Hockey League this year. That's another good step. Alex Clark is going to officiate in the Western Hockey League. Congratulations. Kirsten Walsh is going to be officiating in the OHL. Congratulations. It's taking time, but we are seeing progress in this area. Definitely. You know, the the doors have opened. I think the NHL has done a great job with their officiating camp that they run in the summer. And they've seen the number of female officials attending that camp go up uh, two years ago. And I, I think it's been a little bit weird with COVID. But I know two years ago, they they had 89 participants in camp. They had 11 women there. And from those women, we saw Katie Gay, Kelly Cook, Kendall Hanley, and Kristen Welsh go on to work prospect tournaments. They also worked at the NHL All-Star Game doing that women's elite three on three. So, I think they're finding those opportunities. Certainly, you have to have that chance to prove yourself, as we'll see at the WHL, the OHL, and then hopefully the ECHL, and certainly in the AHL. As those officials work their way up to prove themselves at that level before reaching the NHL, but you have to have those opportunities to be able to do it, and it's nice to see that those are starting to be created. The NBA has female officials. The NFL has female officials. I think it's only a matter of time before it happens in the National Hockey League, and I think that's good for the game. 
Absolutely. It is. You, you want the best officials you can get out there, regardless of gender. And, you know, there are some incredible skaters. There are some officials who have incredible judgment. And I think the the physical differences are often overstated. I mean, we look at somebody and I, no offense to Kelly Sutherland. But he's not the biggest guy. He's a <laughs> he's he's not an imposing physical presence out there. I mean, you look at uh, linesman Kyle Flemington gets promoted this year. He's six foot seven. OK, no argument there. He's he's like the, the second coming of Mike Civic. So we've got some big guys. But they're not all big. And you don't have to be. You have to have a presence on the ice. You have to assert yourself. You're not going to outmuscle these hockey players. I mean, even the larger guys, it's not about physical strength all the time as much as it is confidence, as it is the ability to communicate, to control. So I think sometimes that gets overstated. I think we're, we're definitely at a spot where if you've got the right people, you've got talented people, they can be in position, they can skate, they have the right level of judgment. It's nice to see that gender wouldn't be an issue. Just get the best people for the job. I think that's the the best mantra to follow. Okay, the other game situation that I want to talk about did not occur in the NHL. It was in the Ukrainian League. Uh, you've likely seen the video from the game this past weekend. It's disgusting. It's repulsive. I don't even want to describe the incident. But Andrei Deneskin of HC Kremenchuk made an overtly racist gesture towards HC Donbass player Jalen Smarek. Dineskin was immediately issued a match penalty. It carries an automatic three-game suspension. After deliberations, Dineskin was con- was suspended a further 10 games. As you've no doubt seen, heard, or been part of the social and mainstream media outcry, that, that's been unrelenting, and understandably so. I'm, I'm at a total loss how, even though these are the rules that a 10-game suspension is the maximum, that there isn't a way to issue a more severe punishment. This is, it's a repugnant act that was committed. And 10 games, I understand that's the maximum suspension, but I don't know, there's just, there seems as though there must be a way to do something more to me, Josh. You would think that, you know, from a league standpoint, hey, our rules are set for a reason, but when you go above and beyond what's decent, what's appropriate, what's at all in the the guise of of what we would consider as something that would be outside of what that book covers. I think this would be one such situation. And I think you could certainly make a case that this this is beyond <laughs> decent and yeah. appropriate and is is such a, a grossly disrespectful action that that it, it does supersede what's in the book. And I don't know contractually what Ukrainian law is like. Maybe they don't have capacity to do it. But typically, I, I would expect that the league does have power in certain situations to go above and beyond the prescribed punishments in the rule book. And this certainly justified it. So my only hope, Todd, is at this point, if the Ukrainian Hockey League is done, that the IIHF can come in, take a look at it. And, and certainly, they can't affect what happens in that league, but they can decide that a player is perhaps ineligible for international play. And uh, I, I think that should be something they should strongly consider is whether or not they feel strongly enough about this situation to prevent Dineskin from playing internationally for a set period of time or, or possibly indefinitely. Yeah, Jalen Smerik has, the, the victim in this case, is sitting out from the Ukrainian league until Dineskin is removed from the league. He made that statement prior to the ruling being handed down of the additional 10 games and good for him. We'll wait and see if, if anything further does happen for that. Okay. I w- and I, and I hope it does, you know, I hope something comes out for him positively out of this situation. It's a hard spot for a guy who's 24 and still trying to pursue his NHL career and whether he finds something 
back on this side of the pond, whether it is something else international for him or whether he he's ever considered a move to officiating. I hope his hockey career continues in one way because you hate to see it damage him because of the actions of, of another player. Exactly. Very well said. One more item I wanted to mention, and this one a bit lighter to wrap things up. This past week, the Washington Capitals announced that beginning next season, Caesars will be the sponsor patch on the team's jersey, the gambling, not the pizza. Um, jerseys or sweaters, I guess, if you prefer. Uh, this is not the kind of company that the NHL is going to say, hey, let's put that logo patch on the referees' unis. <laughs> Does that make sense? I, I don't think you want uh, a gambling outfit as part of the official's sponsor patch because at some point, I think that is going to happen is that there will be sponsor logos on the referees uniforms. Well, I've I've seen what happens in Europe and we've seen the sponsorship on the teams and we've we've seen it on the officials, even from some of the international tournaments and and what that can look like. But Oh, I don't know. I don't I don't think you can have gambling on an official's uniform. <laughs> I think that would be a <laughs> I think that would be a mistake. But it, it did get me thinking as to what kind of sponsorship might be possible for an official's uniforms. It's it's a tougher question than you think. Oh, just put some company on. No, because there's the impression created, thus, as I mentioned with the gambling. You don't want like a, a laser corrective vision or a <laughs> lens crafters or something like that. Is that's not going to work for the stripes. But I'm I'm trying to think of something that would work. I don't know if you've got any ideas off the top of your head, Josh. You know, I, I like the uh the accident or injury lawyers, I think would be a good one on there. You know, just, yeah. just more people meeting out justice. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think you're right though. You've you've got to be very, very careful about who you pick. Uh, certainly the <laughs> The eye care professionals <laughs> seem to be an obvious choice, but yeah, there's got to be a good one. Well, and that uh, I was thinking a law firm as well. You know, maybe you could even have the refs sing like the little phone number jingles that they all seem to have on their on their commercials and stuff too. But let's. I think we should put that out on on social media this week. Let's make that question: What is an appropriate sponsor logo that would fit? on the NHL officials' uniforms. I'll try to think of some others for next week, but I, I I, just think that's an interesting question. Law Firm is the only one I've been able to come up with so far. You know what, Todd? We'll, we'll brainstorm. We'll put it out there on social media and see if anyone can beat the officials being sponsored by a mobile phone provider because, to me, there would be nothing better than we guarantee no missed calls. <laughs> that's a great one. That's a great one. The Scouting the Refs podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with code REFS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code REFS. That's R-E-F-S. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped.